Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. Well, it's good to see your face. Uh, I've seen plenty of it for over the last several days, but but good to see it again. I missed it yesterday. Did you? Yeah, sure. We had a good thing going, didn't we? We did. We had one hell of a weekend except for one part of it, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But before we do, as always, we are... Powered by... There we go. Back to back to how we do this. Back to how we do this. Feels good. It does. Our friends at communitycars.com, Evan Martin and the team. Whether you want to buy your car in person, whether you want to do it on the phone, whether you want to not see a human being or talk to a human being and just press a little bit on the Google box and sign some documents and then boom, in 24 hours, wherever you are in the world, the car shows up on your driveway. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Even on archipelagos? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and we will get into that. There it is. <laughs> oh, did you have that ready so we could talk about it? Nope. Just happened <laughs> to be here. Um, by the way, communitycars.com, I believe one of the first dealerships in the country, delivering cars by drone. Yeah. What's surprising is that the drones are no bigger than a normal drone. It's just how do they get the cars so small? It's like those mattresses. It, it is. Yes. The cars come folded up in a box. Mm-hmm. You simply pull a tab and then it unfolds. And there you have it. Just stand back, especially if you have a suburban. So just let's recap. 24 hour delivery anywhere in the world. Never talk to a human being. Delivered by drones, miniature sized in a box. Buy one, get one free. <laughs> <laughs> the the buy one get one free is the most realistic part of what we are now offering. Uh we love Evan Martin, we love communitycars.com. We got a lot to talk about. Okay. Let's talk about the weekend that we had. As some of you know, actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to back up for a second because I want to say something about the four-part Bob Knight series that we did that we released last week because we have been inundated with messages from people 
that have been overwhelming and emotional and mean a tremendous amount to both of us. We were we were sharing kind of messages over the weekend as they came in. And, you know, you said it very early on. It was a privilege to do that and to talk to those people. I mean, I really do feel fortunate to be able to have those conversations and hear those stories. But hearing from the people that listen to the podcast that were touched by the stories, um, and and I got the gamut. Like today, I got man that I was I was okay until I heard Michael Lewis say that was my coach. That's yeah. the coach I knew. That was my coach, Randy Whitman. I heard you know people were at, uh, someone asked me if they could download the the um, Randy Whitman one and burn it to a CD to share with his grandpa. Oh. You know um, Tom Crean, Mike Davis, um, Ted Kitchell getting a little choked up. Uh, Woody sharing stories. I mean, just it's run the gamut. Everybody kind of picks their favorite story um, and their 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 favorite way in to Coach Knight. So it just means a tremendous amount that it meant something to a lot of you out there. Well, um, it really goes back to how much Coach Knight meant to so many people, not who were directly in his orbit. Obviously, that's the case with all those people who spoke to us and many more who didn't. But so many of us, you know, just in orbit in in the greater sense of his planet whether we were in the state of indiana for those decades or had parents who were from there and raised those children right in st louis um he just affected so many people of so many different generations that it was wonderful to to get that cross section of of players and people who worked with him and knew him and then to know that yeah, that's that's the cross section of listeners too, from generations older to us to younger. Um, it just seemed like there was something there for everybody. And no matter what your era was or your connection or your favorite player, we all got to learn so much more about him and his effect over decades in Bloomington. Yes. Yeah, so thank you to everyone. All right. Now back to your regularly scheduled program, our weekend. We decided to do a road trip. It started way back when, when we talked to Mackenzie Holmes, where we were like, yeah, we're going to take a road trip to Maine. <laughs> to Portland, Maine. We're driving it, baby. Then a couple months later, when we realized that they were playing against Stanford, I remember calling Ward and saying, we're not going to Maine, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I don't think we could have convinced the ladies and our children to make the trip to Portland. No. But we did convince them to all pile into a rented Sprinter van, 10 seats, 10 seatbelts, four of the seats, basically baby seats. <laughs> In the back, facing each other. About half the electronics worked. <laughs> half of the electronics worked half of the time. Um, <laughs> so we piled in and we drove up to Palo Alto. We left on Friday morning. And honestly... No hijinks, really, on the ride up. It was a pretty easy ride up. It was a straight shot. We got some Wayback Burgers. My wife had to take a Zoom in the Sprinter van, and we were in Northern California in no time. No time at all, and pulled right up to the Graduate Hotel in Palo Alto. And look, they are not a sponsor. They should be for as much love as we give them. But that hotel chain, you've stayed in the one in Nashville. Yep. You had a great experience there. Wonderful. The Palo Alto one, unbelievable. Best part about it? Parking for the Sprinter van? Water pressure. 
Oh, yes. God, because I told you the one in Nashville didn't have very good water pressure either. So we thought maybe it was a corporate decision to just have a trickle because it's certainly terrible in Bloomington, equally as bad in Nashville. Maybe the best shower of my life in Palo Alto. It it reminded me of like old timey movies when you see kids playing with a fire hydrant (laughs) and they just open it up and you play in the street. That's what the pressure felt like. Beautiful hotel, an old timey elevator that you had to pull the door. Oh, the um, kids loved it. It was awesome. Well, and let's not forget our man John out at the valet station, where we're like, where on earth can we park this enormous sprinter van that carries ten people? And and you pulled it in at a at a slightly odd angle, but like the correct one, so its ass was sticking, you know, as least far out onto University Avenue as possible. And I was like, I don't know what you want to do with this thing, John, but but whatever you need to do. And he was like. Nah, we'll just leave it there. Didn't move. Did not Did, move that weekend. Not at all. If we ever couldn't find the 10-story hotel we were staying in, all we had to do was look for the van. So we get in, and a little birdie told us where the IU women were having dinner. We made a reservation at the same place, and we took the 10 of us to that restaurant. We, we rolled deep all weekend, 10, 10 deep. It's not stalking when you're rolling with 10 people, including women and children. It's much exactly. less much less weird that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely gives us cover for sure. <laughs> um, and got to see the entire women's program there, which was awesome. Uh, everybody was in good spirits. That wouldn't last all weekend. No, um, we, we caught them on the good side of the weekend. Yeah, we did what we could to spread our curse on them uh, as the weekend started. And clearly that worked. Uh, but great time. Can we just can we just talk about how dearest Holly, your significant other, and and the moment that maybe I'll remember best from the weekend is when Coach Morin came over to say hello, and Holly, who is cool as a cucumber, has worked around, been around some of the biggest names on earth. Yeah. was so flustered to see her just struggling to articulate words when she met Coach Morin was like the most adorable thing I've ever seen. Holly has interviewed presidents. <laughs> and Terry Morin came around to the table and Holly turned into a mess of a human. She was just, it's honor, privilege to you meet. <laughs> Always wanted to meet. So see you on TV. God. <laughs> and then Terry Morin slowly backed away from the table. Hid in the hedges. <laughs> uh, great dinner. After the dinner, went back to the hotel. You and I did a circuit. We did the Stanford loop. We did the Stanford loop. And uh, I will say, I wanted to hate Palo Alto the way that I wanted to hate Lawrence, Kansas, yep. and uh, did not hate it, did nope. not hate the town. We'll get to the next day. Did not hate the town, but was sure that I would hate the campus because mm-hmm. no campus comes close to Bloomington, of course. So we got up the next morning. You went for a nice long run. I went for a nice long cigar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Annie and I got a sneak preview of the campus on our run, and I told you, you know, it's pretty far. Um, when you're jogging, it's not too bad to get from the hotel to campus, but 
after having a delicious meal at Sweet Maple, which in, included, you know, Flynn got like a, just a platter of six different kinds of bacon. <laughs> there was French toast. There was waffles and and there was bulldogs that came by we could pet. And then we're like, yeah, let's roll with 10 people of various sizes to to the campus. It's down that away. Beautiful campus. I mean, goddamn it. It just blew me away. It it looks like it's built by the smartest people in the world, the best architects in the world, the best designers, the best landscape artists. I mean, it's just perfect. Look, first shots fired and only shots fired because we're, we're really getting nitpicky here. But it's real flat, okay? It doesn't have those beautiful, undulating, rolling hills that Bloomington does. But aside from that, you basically, as you, you walk into that giant circle that uh, uh, greets you as you stride onto campus. The Oval, the Stanford th Oval. The Stanford Oval, and then you're you're facing the quad, and you're like, gosh, I bet – the Vatican has some real envy to this setup because it is so grand. It is so epic. It is so symmetrical. Yes. That you just can't help but be in awe. And yes, realize you are, in fact, at one of the great learning institutions the human race has ever put on the earth. Now, I will say some of it is facade because we did peek into a classroom and it looked like a piece of shit. It <laughs> yeah. looked like it looked like an old school ninth floor Ballantine been there forever classroom. So the actual classroom did not impress, but the campus surely did. And we spent hours just walking to the campus around the campus. We did take a break to watch the IU football game, the end of the IU football game, which, of course, when we turn it on, gives us enough time to get our hopes up with the touchdown to send it into overtime and then play it conservative, three and out, kick a field goal, and then give up a touchdown because of a blown defensive end, not, you know, uh, sealing not sealing and not staying true to his line and letting the QB roll out, throw a 21 yard touchdown an embarrassing defensive performance for a football team that was on the brink and fell off of it because they needed that game, obviously. And it's going to be a really interesting end of this season to see what happens because you do look at the Penn state game where they fought like hell, then obviously played well against Wisconsin then the offense against Illinois looked awesome in a road win. Soresby looked really good. McCulley looked really good. Defense looked like horseshit. A couple things go different in that. One thing goes different in that Illinois game, and a couple things go different in that Penn State game, and you're looking at a team right now with five wins with two to go. And I just don't know what's going to happen with this era of football. I mean, I still believe that they're going to give Tom Allen another year because of the buyout and because it has shown – improvement over last year with a quarterback that's a freshman yeah you know, a redshirt freshman well and three games in a row that were certainly better than the three games prior and you know with the it, new offensive coordinator yeah and you win one or two of these next last couple of games and it's and you're you're really in this place where you're like well it wasn't definitively just a disaster it certainly wasn't definitively successful because one of those ends with like another two win season the other one win ends with with six wins and a bowl so you're kind of in this middle ground with the arrow well we'll see there's two weeks to go right now it feels like it's edging 
up, the arrows pointing slightly up. We'll see what it feels like after two more games. Yeah, I mean, look, if they end the season with five wins, I mean, that is not success because success is a bowl game, but it is better than last year and showing improvement. And they signed a two-year contract or multi-year contract with the offensive coordinator. You've got a redshirt quarterback. You've got some skill pieces, you know, in wide receiver. You still have Jalen Lucas. So who knows? I, I, I think that if he wins both games, there's no chance they're getting rid of him. I mean, no chance. No chance. It, it was in stark contrast to, you know, after after we Hoosiers uh, were strolling through Stanford campus, a couple of us smoking cigars, which they probably frowned upon, and watching our football team lose to go back to the hotel after that and watch Kalen DeBoer and uh, Michael Penix Jr. Uh, win yet another game and stay undefeated again and just be like, I cannot believe we had that coach. I cannot believe we had that quarterback. Oh, wait. Yes, I can. We're Indiana football. That's right. Where the good ones leave. <laughs> uh, so uh, hit up um, a restaurant that was okay. Average. I mean, we had some great food the night before. We had great food that morning. But this place was average at best. Uh, but then did the circuit, smoked but, some cigars. But but that that's where rolling 10 deep and not like having a plan or. Well, no, we had a plan. We went to this ramen place that was very highly reviewed a few blocks down. We got there and there was 1,640 people in line. <laughs> it was clearly the best ramen anywhere in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, agreed. And we couldn't get into it. So Yet. we got Yet. stuck. We got stuck with a restaurant that no one was at, which is always <laughs> a bad sign on Saturday night at seven o'clock. Uh, but we hit up we hit up a really good place afterward that's a diner that's been there for like 90 years or 80 years. You just know that was a place that Coach Knight would have felt super comfortable sitting down for a meal and a dessert. You got a cookie and ice cream. I had my classic hot fudge sundae. Annie got some cheesecake. The kids got to sit at another table so they didn't have to deal with us. Yeah, it was great. It was <laughs> it was pure heaven. And then did the circuit again, smoked a cigar, had a nice night. Another, another nice thing about Palo Alto, not painfully cold in the middle of the night when we go to smoke cigars. No, it was just really nice, clean. Just everything was really nice. And then Sunday was the big day because it's game day. And the first thing we did on Sunday is what you do on Sunday morning. We got in line at the ramen place <laughs> before it opened. We were like, <laughs> we are not getting turned away again. And we got lucky because if, if we had been just one group back, we would have to sit there and wait for 45 minutes. But we were like the last 10 people sat in there. And my, oh my, to me, that was worth it. I agree. It was also worth it to watch you who asked for the spice level of five and within 10 minutes, Ward is just sweating. I mean, you're, and you it didn't stop you. You kept eating, you kept going for it. You can't stop. It only gets worse when you stop. But I, you know, I know the spice level is coming correct when the napkins, they didn't give us napkins. They Not gave napkins. us tissue paper. A whole box of Phoenix. tissue paper is at your table when you arrive. So, you know, it's serious that I could actually just put it to my upper lip or to my forehead and it would stay. Yeah. I didn't even have to keep holding it on there. We were eating fried chicken and ramen at 11 a.m. Uh, <laughs> and then we got everything packed up because now it's the time for the main attraction. Let's get to this game to watch two 
of the best programs in the country, a heavyweight fight, battle it out. Who's going to win? Who's going to set themselves up as being like a top five team heading into the rest of the pre-conference season? And the arena is whatever. No, it's 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 honestly it kind of looks like a dump from the outside and inside. It's like uh, slightly bigger than Wilkerson. Wilkinson. But there are definitely um, high school gyms in Indiana that are more impressive. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we were excited. We were sitting in the third to last row. But really, that's like the sixth row at Assembly Hall. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Good seats. And within 45 seconds, the game was over. I mean, (laughs) it was an ass kicking from beginning to end, the likes of which I don't remember seeing. I mean, it was so bad from the beginning with no run ever for Indiana. Never felt like we were in the game. Never felt like we matched up with them in any way. Felt like they were better. And like you said, they were better than us by a significant margin in every aspect of the game of basketball. There was no silver lining. There wasn't even like where we score a bucket, we get a stop and go score another bucket, and you can start to believe that a run is happening. You never even thought we were about to get it going. We never got it going at all. It was, it was, it was, well, you know what it felt like? It felt like you and me going to an Indiana basketball game. That is exactly what it felt like. And you know what the biggest kick in the balls or what I would say punch in the nose of the whole thing was at the end of the game, Lexi Bargesar gets hit in the face and is like bleeding. And we, we think she's bleeding. We're far away, but it appears that she's bleeding. And at the moment that she is bleeding, I look over and my daughter my youngest daughter Ainsley is just gushing blood from her nose like a spigot you like like those twins in in G.I. Joe that work for Cobra like you punch one and the other one feels pain she's connected yes. to her she's connected she bled all the way down the steps so we left some of our DNA there we left yeah. it there we soiled that place stuffed up her nose got in the car fired up the sprinter time to head out of town everything going well until there was a car accident on the two-lane highway that connects the 101 to the 5, where there's nowhere to go, there's, and there's we were just stuck. nothing but hills and cows. And and look, you say all is well. No, it wasn't, because I got to say, even before we got to the accident, I felt like that game, and maybe the fact that Annie and I got in a fight at the beginning of the game didn't help either. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, didn't that was because that. that's when we were sitting ten wide. So you, you, it was, it was nothing. It was. I, I think we both knew what the game had in store for us, and we were on edge. <laughs> and so I just, I left Palo Alto while everything up to the game was like, what a great trip. My kids had never been on a on a big road trip with like six other, you know, kid, it was six kids total all just stuffed into a van and, and doing facial masks in the hotel room late at night. It was so great. But by the time we were driving, bef- leading into that accident, I already felt like, just the life had been drained out of me. And then we basically come into a standstill in the middle of nowhere. So you get in a fight with Annie. Indiana gets smoked and boat raced. My daughter starts bleeding uncontrollably. (laughs) And then we get stuck in the worst traffic possible, which turned a five-hour drive into basically a seven-hour drive. And all we really wanted was to find somewhere to get gas and an In-N-Out burger. But it is the longest stretch 
in California without an In-N-Out burger. It's like 250 miles. And I'm not proud of when we stopped what I did as far as food. I'm not proud of it. (laughs) Everybody split off to their own fast food place. It it was kind of an amazing place because we'd stopped in there. It was where Wayback Burgers were, but we were so fixated on that. We didn't notice across the street where there are like five gas stations that there's actually eight different fast food places. It was a smorgasbord and anybody could pick any fast food they wanted to eat and go eat it. And so Ward, me, and Porter, Ward's son, chose McDonald's, (laughs) which I did not realize Ward has McDonald's once a week. Every Tuesday. That is uh, incredible. Is it just you or the family? No, no, no. It's the day the kids get out of school early and they have music lesson pretty much right when we get home. So we grab some Mickey D's on the way home. It's kind of a tradition, but makes it even more incredible that both Porter and I chose to get it again five days later, two days before we were going to get it again, like we did today. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't ordered McDonald's. I've had breakfast at McDonald's. I love a McGriddle, but I haven't had McDonald's like dinner. Honestly, I, I cannot remember when. It's been 20 years, probably. Well, and you really didn't this time either, did you? Well, ultimately, I ate probably half of the quarter pounder. And all the fries. And some but, of my fries. And your fries. But Holly was at the Little Caesars, and I said, why don't you go pick me up a slice of that, too? They didn't do slices, so I ate half a pizza. I and ate half a pizza. Well, and that's that's when she you went into McDonald's to use the bathroom while we were waiting on our food. They they sent us over to the parking spot, and, and Holly calls back, and she's like, hey, yeah, they don't do it by the slice. Should I get a whole pizza? And I'm like, ah, you know, he got a value meal. I wouldn't. She's like, yeah, no, he he doesn't need to do that. And then and then before you knew that you didn't really like your cheeseburger, you were furious at us for making that decision and furious. called her back and demanded she order a full pizza. The pizza was pretty good. The it looked, pizza at Little Caesars was really good. It it looked better than any pizza I've ever gotten from Little Caesars. The crust was buttery, crispy. There was a lot of cheese. It was good. I mean, I dug it. You took over driving. And the only thing I could think of, too, and and look, it was still fun. We were playing songs. But the way that the trip was ending was not great. But we were so excited because at least we could go home and watch Indiana boat race army. Right. Like at least we had that you and I both decided not to find out what happened in the game, even though a couple messages snuck in that made us think it wasn't going well. They were ominous, like not not so ominous that like you you were like, oh, if if we had lost, there would have been one hundred and fifty texts and we would have seen something furious. It was like, I don't think we played very well. That that's going to be my guess going in to watch this. Well, that guess would have been accurate. Right on the because nose. Because then I come home at 1030 and I'm watching this game and I'm like, I can't believe my night's going to end like this. I can't believe this weekend, which for the most part, 90% was awesome, is going to end with watching Indiana just play horrible basketball. I mean, horrid basketball against a team that was ranked 341 that had lost to, I believe, Ryder or Marist or maybe both. Uh, they were terrible. And Khalil Ware looked pretty good. Yep. No one else did. 
Uh, you know, I do. I do like what Gabe does when he's out there. I can't help it. Okay. I mean, Gabe did not have a good game in that game. He had, he had turnovers. He hit a big three at the end. He hit one big three, but the defense was terrible. We gave up wide open three pointer after wide open three pointer. The offense looks a mess. It was not good basketball. Yeah, no, in no way, shape or form. Was it good basketball? And it just, these these are the games because the ladies team the game before had won like i don't know by 30 40 points whatever it was um you know we had texts that are i had i believe you You mean we lost by 30 or 40 no 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 the the game before they came to stanford oh yes they smoked them they won by four they won by 50 this is what the army game was supposed to be you know you see ball state beat goshen by like 62 points you're like this is what this is going to be for us we're 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 finally going to have something to cheer about and we just really didn't and it was it was watching because you know okay we snuck out of the ladies game a little bit early because there was a bleeding situation, but we were yeah. pretty much there till the bitter end far after the conclusion of the game. That's for sure. And then, and then to watch 40 minutes of the men's game, because you know, you got to watch it to the end. It was like, that was 80 minutes, 75 of just terrible basketball by Indiana teams. And, and it's, I don't know, after an, a whole off season of being excited about the talent on the men's side, who's coming back for the ladies and them being so good all the time. Always. It was, it was a, it was very sobering. Yeah. It was a real wake up call. I will say congrats to the men's soccer team. Yeah. That won the big 10 championship, both the regular season and the conference championship. uh, And you know why, you know why? Because we didn't watch it. We didn't watch a minute of it. (laughs) You're welcome. Men's soccer team. So, yeah, I mean, look, he, I'm not going to overreact right now. We're two and oh, it could be worse. We could have lost one or both of those games. But clearly, there's some real concerning things about the team that have been talked about ad nauseum since the game. The offense looks a mess and looks like we don't know what we're doing in the half court. We don't push the ball in transition, which seems like we should uh, because we've got a five who can really run. We've got Xavier Johnson, who's super fast. Um, it seems like that's what we should be doing to get some easy buckets because we don't generate easy buckets. And the but, biggest concern is is Mackenzie and Baca. Look, we generate easy buckets for the other team by leaving them wide open and not knowing what the hell we're doing on switches or how to close out properly. And when they're swishing three-pointers, how can you get out and run when you got to take the ball out of bounds and give it to the guy who's standing there waiting for it? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Although I would say, like, they went 13 of, like, 30 something from the three point line. That's a lot of misses that we don't turn into easy buckets, long rebounds, you know, it's just not good basketball. My biggest concern so far is McKenzie. They got a lot of offensive rebounds too, though. Go ahead. That's true. They did. They did. The rebounding hasn't been good at all. I I am most worried and concerned that McKenzie and Baco just doesn't even look like he's part of the offense in the first two games. Like he'll come off a pick and hit that beautiful shot. And you're like, wow, that's something we haven't had. And then we don't run anything for him. I, I'm watching that game, and I watched it a second time, not that night, but yesterday. And all I could think, Ward, is we've got Mackenzie and Baco, and we're doing the same exact things with him that we did with Miller Cop, Like not running a bunch for him, just letting him drift a little bit, hope that the ball finds him. Yeah. And, we're, I mean, he took two shots in that whole game. Obviously, it doesn't look right now like it's working with Mackenzie and Baco and 
Khalil and Malik all playing at the same time. And the only times we've been decent in these games is when Malik's been on the bench and we're going with a smaller lineup, three guards. Well, um, and we also, we are playing smaller teams, you know, and, and we've adjusted in both games to reflect that. Um, and I think that's going to have to be the case when we're going against the Northwesterns and Penn States and, and teams that play that way. Um, I don't really know how many Big Ten teams have kind of three, six, eight guys and above that our our lineup of those guys is going to make sense for. But I imagine there's a few. It's the Big Ten, and it's it's not always going to be like, oh, God, I got to chase this little guy around, and I can't. But, you know, the thing about McKenzie is, look, he's a freshman, and I think – we got really spoiled with Jalen who came in from Montverde and was like clearly a really special guy ready um, to go upstairs as much as he was physically athletically. Um, so I'm not hitting the panic button on McKenzie yet, but if he wants to stay out there, he will have to figure out more on the defensive end. Cause that's why Miller cop played like 32 minutes a game because he knew where he should be and everybody else should be. So McKenzie's got to get that straightened out. Totally. And then, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talk about Peyton Sparks, too, and being so excited about the kind of impact that Peyton can make. I love Peyton Sparks. We we got to get to know him a little bit over the fantasy weekend. Great kid who is so happy to be in Indiana and it busts his ass. But here's the deal with Peyton Sparks. You are never going to play Peyton Sparks and Khalil Ware together, right? No. Like, they're not going to play together. Okay. Khalil Ware's the best player on the team. He is the most versatile. He can do the most damage. He's the only rim protector that we have. He can stretch the floor. He can run. He's the best player on the team, it seems, at least the most talented player on the team. He's going to play the same number of minutes, basically, the Trace played, which is about 35 minutes, which means Peyton Sparks gets five minutes a game. He played nine in the game against Army, and I think that's because the first unit wasn't playing great, and Woody wanted to see Peyton get some run here in his first game. But he's just not going to play many minutes at all and not enough minutes to make any real impact. He's just not because you can't play them together. So unless unless Khalil gets in foul trouble, which he's been really good at in, in not making stupid fouls, I just don't think he's going to play a lot um, to make any a real impact. I think he's going to be a really good five to eight minute a game player. Yeah, I think any reasonable person would agree with that and you know there there'll be a game here or there maybe he needs to come in and just like knock Zach Eady a few feet out of the post for a while and just batter him a little bit and push him around but th that'll be very matchup dependent and you know I think Peyton came into this eyes wide open and anybody sort of paying attention to what bringing him in was all about was like yeah that's about depth and it's kind of unfortunate that we've been struggling so much early on because you would like to see us stretch out to a 20 25 point lead in the first half against army and see some of these guys who are really really struggling early on cj caleb um you know and just peyton who was injured you really want to see them get some run in that that notion of a, a second unit if you will but it we've just kind of had to like okay which five guys which four guys plus one more could possibly get the ball in the bucket for us so we don't lose in uh, a humiliating fashion and then the other concern you know shooting 
it's just still the concern. This team doesn't look for threes. It's not a big emphasis for Woody in this offense. I saw a tweet from Rabbi that said in the first two games, Indiana attempted 24 three-pointers combined. Purdue made 24 three-pointers in the first two games. We're just still not playing 2023 basketball. We're playing 1990s basketball right now. We haven't prioritized shooting. We went after Peyton Sparks and Anthony Walker in the transfer portal, two guys who are not shooters. CJ Gunn, it just doesn't look good right now. Um, well, it goes Caleb, back to this this idea of like recruiting offense and teaching defense. And it's like, it's great to have six, eight, six, nine guys with length that can clog up the lanes and protect the, the, the boards. But man, like it's so hard to learn to how to shoot well in gameplay at the division one level. And, and, you know, look, okay. Caleb coming in, he's got all the sort of attributes and we think that can develop. Okay. Um, all right. You know, sophomore year, hopefully we'll see some progress. It's early in the season. CJ. Uh, I mean, those shots aren't coming close right now. No, our misses are bad. Our, we have bad misses. So concern, Thursday night we play Wright State, which is a better team than I think the two teams that we've played so far, and that's the tune-up for UConn. And I got to say, I watched the Kansas-Kentucky game tonight, and I watched the Michigan State-Duke um, game. Michigan State, I don't think, looked great, especially offensively. They hung in there, but Duke beat them. But that Kansas-Kentucky game, man, we're not playing the same sport that those teams are playing. We are not. We, we do not look like we're in the same universe as those teams. And that is disheartening. But we're going to find out. I mean, it could just, I could also be totally wrong. We're going to find out. We play UConn and, it, and we'll see what happens. There's a chance we play Louisville. That should be a win. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see one game at a time, and it is two games into a team that has what ten new players. Um, a lot of them young. Um, the older ones are are they've been role players or or come in as role players, and I do believe Woody has gotten both teams his first two seasons i should say to come together towards the end of the season and two two very different seasons one a lot that i think had to do with injury and you did have uh, an exceptional freshman and an all-time legend in trace jackson davis last year so it's not exactly apples to apples but i do think it's early november and i still think we have talent how long is it going to take to get the the most out of this talent? And I hope it's not in like June. <laughs> well, and also you just hope that we don't get tripped up by a couple of these teams, because if you get, and I'm not talking about UConn or Kansas or Auburn even, although it would be nice to win one of those three games when you're talking about a team that might be fighting for tournament selection. But if you get tripped up by one of these teams, and let's be honest, either one of these games, a one shot goes different you know, at a certain point at the last three, four minutes, and these games could have turned differently. You just hope you don't get tripped up. But as long as they don't, then they're on course to to do what they need to do, win the games that you need to win, that you should win, and try to compete in those games that, that are the challenges. We will see. But you know what's most exciting? What's that? Who we get to talk to today. 
It's the future, you know? Look, we've we've already clearly, in our own minds, just flushed this whole season down the toilet. So let's look at next season. <laughs> I, I love within 20 seconds of you saying, it's early November, the teams get better. <laughs> right to straight line to flush the season. No, we're not flushing the season. But clearly the most exciting thing that has happened in Indiana basketball over the last many months is the guy that we're talking to today. So let's stop talking and get to him. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Hailing from Richardson, Texas. We are talking to a gentleman that as a sophomore at John Paul II, averaged 17 points a game, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals, two blocks in 38 games, all which he started. His team won the TAP 6A state championship after going 31-7 and and winning 10 straight to close the season. He was first team All-State 2022 before he then moved to Mount Verde down in Florida, the single best prep program, high school program in the country. And last year, he shot 44.8% from three. I'm just going to repeat that because we love how that sounds. He shot 44.8% from three. He is a member of the Florida Rebels AAU program. He had several family members who played college basketball. He is ranked 15th by 247, 13th by ESPN, 13th by Rivals, 15th by On3. He is a five-star. And just about a month ago, he made a nation of people rejoice when he announced that he was coming to Indiana University. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Liam McNeely. Thank you. Thank you. So how does it feel to be a Hoosier? I mean, it feels great. Um, I mean, we've been at this thing for a long time, and but I had to make it official. So I'm I'm really happy. I got to say, you look great in the gear. It's clearly your color. Do you just have a closet full now? Is it just all loaded up? I, I, got, I got some stuff I'm going to pull out. You know, everybody's going to see it. I love it. All right. We're going to – I want to talk about what's going on now, and then we'll go in the time machine and get your full story. So – Am I wrong that I read that your season officially opened yesterday and you guys won 118 to 28? Yeah, we played last night. We got a we got a, a pretty good win. Yeah. Yeah. Super I fun. Mean, well, yeah, super fun when you win by like at when you were up by 70, were you just throwing balls over your head and shooting from half court for fun? I mean, by the time we were up 70, I was on the bench and the young guys were getting to play. So, I mean, it was just super fun to see them get to play a bunch and, I mean, get back out there with the team. Well, obviously, you guys have been cooking for a bit with the AAU squad, right? That's pretty much all of the same players. Um, but what what is it like going into your senior season in terms of what's in your mind for what you want to improve in your own game and what you want to accomplish with the team? Um, something that I want to improve on is just my defensive game and guarding smaller guards because I like to say I'm a, I'm a bigger guard, I'm a wing, but you're only the position that you can guard. So I got to make sure I can guard as many spots as I can to be as versatile as I can. Um, and then something that I'm looking forward to for the team is just having an undefeated season and winning the Geico National Championship. I, I like that. I don't want to get into the decision to come to IU yet because we'll get that at the tail end of your story. But I do want to talk about what your life has been like in the last month since you decided. 
I mean, are you just inundated with social media from IU people who are ready to basically have your child? <laughs> well, the Indiana fans have, like I've said in a bunch of interviews, they've showed like a crazy amount of love. They've they've been everywhere. They've been at my games around the country. Um, they've showed so much love on Twitter, Instagram. I mean, but when I right when I committed, the phone just blew up even more. What is the craziest tweet or text message or interaction you've had with an Indiana fan so far? Present company excluded. <laughs> I would say my favorite tweet that I've seen, it was a video reaction to me committing on ESPN. And the guy, he said a couple bad words. He was a little nervous, but it was all worth it in the end to see his reaction. <laughs> Who is the coolest person that has either liked something, reached out, DM'd? Who's the coolest person? Um, you can say it. You can say it. <laughs> besides Coach Woodson. Yes. Besides now, India. Good. good. Nobody Media on the training. staff counts. Media training. That's good though. Yeah. Um, probably Mark Cuban. That's that that hit close to home just because he coaches the Mavericks. I'm from Dallas. I grew up watching the Mavs, so it was crazy. Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, that is just awesome. All right, let's do this. Let's hop in the time machine and let's go back to your childhood. When did you fall in love with the game of basketball? What is your earliest memory of basketball? Um, I don't I don't think there's a time when I fell in love with basketball. Um, just because basketball has been a part of my life since I can remember, before I can remember. Started playing when I was two. But at the YMCA, um, I mean, yes, it's just been a huge part of my life, my family's life. And I'd say my earliest memory is just playing in kindergarten with my friends at the YMCA. Mm -hmm. Love that. Now, your family's history with basketball goes back to, if I'm not mistaken, the American Revolution. And your great-great-great-grandfather <laughs> played with George Washington in pickup games. Um, but... When when did you realize, oh, it's not just, just me and my buddies at the Y hooping it up. When did you come to appreciate how special your heritage is so far as basketball history goes? I would probably say when I got to middle school, um, that's when it like really hit me that like Division One basketball in my family has gone back for a really long time. My great-grandfather, my grandfather, my mom, both my uncles – I mean, it's it's just a crazy story to think about it. I'm just I'm just trying to continue the legacy. How good is your mom at basketball? You know, she was pretty good back in her day. I don't <laughs> know how she gets with me now, but I mean, she taught me how to shoot, so she can obviously shoot pretty well. Do you, you remember the first time you beat her in a game of horse or one on one? I do. We used to play all the time back when I was younger. Uh, she used to beat me sometimes, but the first time I beat her, she never played me again. <laughs> I like that. She's competitive. She's competitive. I get it. I like that a lot. Uh, when did you start to realize that this wasn't just you having fun playing with kid, playing with your buddies, but that you were really good and that this could be, you know, something else for you besides just a recreational activity? I mean, like I said, basketball's I've been playing it since before I can remember. So, I mean, it's just been something that I've loved the most. It's been like, Makes me the happiest thing in the world just to play basketball. But I probably realized that I could do something special with it in middle school. 
just playing on my middle school team. That was the first time I played for a school. And then just seventh grade and eighth grade, just playing with dad, started to take it real serious. It might be asking you, why do you like to breathe air? But <laughs> is there a particular part about basketball that that really makes you smile when you wake up in the morning? Is it improving? Is it winning? Is it just being in the gym with a bunch of buddies and and seeing what you can come up with on the court? Can you define that? Other than basketball just being a game that I love to play, I think like some a smaller, like just crazy want that I have is just that obsession of getting better every day. And once you see progress the first time, you become obsessed with it and want to progress every day and get better in every way that you can. Did you have teams, whether college or or pro, I assume you've been a Mavericks fan your your whole life, basically. Um, were you an NBA guy more than a college guy growing up as a kid? Um, Probably when I was younger, just because I, I went to a bunch of Dallas Mavs game and that was like the only thing that was on my mind when I thought of basketball, just Dirk Nowitzki and all them. But as, as I got into middle school and high school, I've definitely watched a lot of college basketball, taking yeah, – do you remember when the Mavs won their title? I do. I was at the banner raising the season after. Nice. Wow. And do, did you just lose your mind when they won that? I mean, I was I was six, seven. So however much energy a little kid could have, I was I was producing that energy. I love that. <laughs> I love it. What um, you know, whether it's going back then up to present day, who are some of the players you don't necessarily say oh i'm like them or i'm like that guy but who who do you watch in particular and find yourself gravitating towards picking up on their moves or the way they see the court so the first player that i grew up watching was dirk Nowitzki, just because he was a mad he won championship mvp all that and just like one thing that i've really taken from him is how high he shoots the ball and the arc that he shoots with because if you see go back he shoots that like 20, 30 feet high sometimes. Yeah. But now I, I really like Luca because he's a Mavs. His playmaking ability, how he can make his teammates better. And another player, I, lo I love Jimmy Butler's toughness. Mm. He just does everything he can to win. I, I love watching that. Same thing with Luca, by the way, on the arc, right? The guy really puts arc on his shots. You know, I know they shoot very differently, but that guy throws some rainbows up there that you're like, is that even in the same zip code? And it just splashes. Must be a European thing. Must be. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Forgetting basketball for a second, because we like to learn what you're like off the court. So basketball obviously was your obsession, but what other stuff were you into as a kid? Were you a movie guy? What TV? What, what were you into? I mean, I love movies. I love TV. I've watched a lot of movies, a lot of TV. Love hanging out with my friends. Give us your favorite movie. I can't give you a favorite movie. We'll tell you, we'll tell you what your three. favorite no, movie is. Hold on. Hold on. We'll, hold on. I mean, we just want to. I can tell you my out. favorite movie. I can tell you my favorite. Yeah. What is Hoosiers. it? There it is. Hoosiers. I mean, <laughs> there it is. He got there it. There it is. All right. So we've talked to a lot of recruits that have come to Indiana. Very few kids your age have seen the movie Hoosiers. Was that a thing that was in your family? Was your family a big fan of that movie? Definitely. Um, 
I mean, me and my mom's watched it a bunch. My mom's watched it countless times. My grandmother loves the movie. I mean, I, I was watching Hoosiers before I knew Indiana was a state. That's how young I was when I was watching. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you're Jimmy Chitwood. I mean, that's how we're looking at you. You're Jimmy Chitwood. Uh, all right, so movies, that's good Hoosiers. If you had to pick another movie that's not sports-related that you like, doesn't have to be your favorite, but one you love, give it to me. Any of the Star Wars movies. Ooh, nice. I grew up watching those as a kid, watching countless times. All right, but give us your favorite Star Wars movie. This is an important question. I mean, so I'm younger than y'all. Right. All right. right. We don't need the reminder, but, Liam. We get yeah, it. No, we I, have but I, see, I see what he's doing here. Like he's he's getting a setup to say it's not going to be a part of the original trilogy. Well, let's let's just see what his answer My is. My favorite in the original trilogy is The Empire Strikes Back, of course. That's Slam a correct dunk. answer. Slam dunk. Of, of the of the sequel trilogy, it is definitely Revenge of the Sith. Great. Okay. How do you how do you feel about the prequels? You know, a lot of people hate them. I didn't hate them. I'm just a Star Wars fan. I loved it, regardless of if it was a little cheesy. It didn't make sense. I still loved it. What did you think of Andor? That was fantastic. Yes. Yes. What about Rogue One? Great thing. Rogue, Rogue One? One? I mean, it fits perfectly with Andor. It's just a great, great storytelling right there. and Great movie. What is your take on Jar Jar Binks? So, I, I mean, I grew up watching Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks is like the first comedy character that I grew up watching. So, <laughs> always I thought, I thought to be a comedy character, you had to be funny. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> I, don't get it. I get it. All right. Let's move to TV. Are you a TV guy? You like some TV shows? We, we obviously covered Andor. Give me a TV show as a kid that you grew up on. Um, TV show as a kid. I mean, I watched all the Disney Channel shows. My sister is three years older than me. I grew up with her, so I had to watch all her girly shows when I was little. <laughs> what was she into, like Sam and Cat and that kind of stuff? She was into a bunch of Barbie. I had to watch, watch a bunch of Barbie shows, movies. So. Sure. Any well, My well, Little Pony? No, she wasn't into that, so thankfully I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't have to trap you in, in young Liam with your television likes. What What's something you're into now, whether it's a new show or an older show you binge? So I've watched Game of Thrones. That's probably the best show ever. Yeah. Peaky Blinders. I'm watching that again. Vikings. Those Vikings. Are like, that's like my three top three shows. I okay. love that you love Peaky Blinders. That is a that's a good cut. All okay, right, how about uh, music? What do you listen to? Whether you know you're putting around the house doing homework or when you're in the gym. No, I, I really listen to rap. I mean, I I know a bunch of like '90s rock songs just because my mom loved those. I grew up listening to those. But if I'm if I'm on the ox and I'm choosing music, I'm I'm playing rap. All right, I gotta ask you. Is your first of all, is your mom to your right right now? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I like yes. how you had to check yeah, which direction to, that to, was. <laughs> we have a lot of respect for your mom. She clearly did an amazing job raising you. She is going to know the She's going to answer this question. Yes. But we need you to answer this question. Yes. Hopefully. Do you know who John Cougar Mellencamp is? She does, but I do not. Is she nodding right now? She knows. She, she's definitely she is. All right, listen. You got 
Hoosiers. Your mom did that great for you. To understand what it means to be in Indiana, you got to go with John Mellencamp. Listen to Jack and Diane, Pink Houses. What else, Ward? Those two? Small Town. Small Small Town. town. Those three. Small Town, Pink Houses, Jack and Diane, and then you'll be full bore Hoosier. That those are the only things you need. Hoosier's movie and those three songs. I mean, I've, I've probably heard them before, but I just don't remember them. Uh-huh. You'll recognize them. And if you were driving around during your visits to Bloomington with the radio on, you definitely heard those songs. Probably. probably. There's no radio anymore. There's no radio. In Indiana, there is. Yeah, that's probably true. All right. So all right, we get oh food. Let's talk about food. What is your single favorite food? Steak, for sure. Oh, what kind? So my vague answer is ribeye, but my more detailed answer is tomahawk ribeye. Dude, you you and I are going to be best friends. I mean, we're best (laughs) friends, right? Like, I would eat tomahawk ribeye every night and every morning. I love it so much. And I have gone on meat-only diets before. I I wouldn't recommend it. Okay, so... What about when you you need some recovery time? You you your coaches, your trainers, like Liam, get away from the basketball court, get away from the gym. You need to just chill out a little bit. What are you doing for fun? Do you have a hobby, a pastime, something to just relax, maybe have some laughs? Um. So I'll, when I'm in Florida, I'll play video games. I'll go get food. I'll go hang out with the team. When I'm back home in Dallas, I'll see my childhood friends, spend time with them. Go eat, go drive around, just chill, really. What's the video game of choice? Um, NBA 2K, uh, Fortnite's making a little comeback. That's what everybody's on right now. My my son is obsessed with Fortnite and skins in particular. Are there any particular Fortnite skins you like to rock? No, I don't. I don't. I don't have any more like that. I was when I was young. I was super into it. On NBA 2K, who do you play with? Who's your team? The Mavs? I mean, if I got to choose, I'd choose the Mavs. But the best team is probably the Lakers or the Warriors just because LeBron and Curry is not fair. Well, isn't it more because Jalen Hood Shafino and Trace Jackson Davis are on those teams? Yeah. That's exactly right. That's what I was about to say. (laughs) Very good. All right, let's get back into basketball. So middle school, things start to take off a little bit for you. You realize that that you're you're good. Were you always tall? Were you always tall for your grade? Or did you go through a spurt? Always the tallest in my class. Okay. Uh, and then you get to high school. When's the first time you dunked the basketball? In a high school game or period? And period. Any The first time you realized you could dunk on a 10-foot rim. It was going in. It was the summer after my seventh grade year. That's when I got my first dunk down. And give us the moment. Explain, describe it to us because you have to realize combined, we have a 19 inch vertical leap combined and and zero dunks. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Um, It was that Drive Nation, one of the first AU programs I played for. They got a gym. I mean, after like, 50 tries every practice. I finally got it down on a Tuesday or Thursday. Were you alone or was the team there? No, the team was there. I was going nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, You you said that you were 
always the tallest on your team. I'm curious in your development, middle school into high school, AAU, how do you start making the transition or, or preparing to be not the tallest guy on your team and develop the skill set that you have that isn't just like a back to the basket big, um, putting it in over guys who are 5'8 when you're 6'1? Well, that's a, that's a fantastic question. Mm. That's the first thing Liam, I think. Of Liam, 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 listen. Wait, let him, let him gonna, go on. Hold on. We're going to have a long relationship, us and you. There's, it's going to be great. But complimenting Ward is not the way to go, okay? Like, no, no. it's just it's just not good for anyone. It's not good for his family with his ego, not, and it's definitely not good for me. <laughs> I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Thank you. No, but um, my grandfather, like, the when I was younger and, like, getting to learn how to play basketball, the biggest thing he was, like, focused on was develop me as a guard. Because he knew I wasn't going to be seven foot. He knew I wasn't going to be six foot. He knew I was going to be somewhere in between. I'm always the tallest. So I got to develop guard skills because he knew I wasn't going to be back to the basket big. And so every team I was on growing up, if they put me with my back to the basket, wouldn't play for him. So I gratefully I was put on teams where I got to play a guard. I got to play a big some too because I need to be versatile. But I mean, I can't thank him enough for that. That was a big part of my development. Do you realize how lucky you are to have the grandpa and mom that you have that shepherded you through life? My dad made me work in his cigar store. Okay, that's the difference. That's that's why I ended up here and you're ending up wearing Indiana playing Division One college basketball. But seriously, like, you, I, you've talked a lot about your mom and grandpa both. I've watched a lot of interviews with you. Um, you're clearly very close with both and your sister. Can you just give us a breakdown a little bit of your family and, 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 you know, what the dynamic was growing up? I mean, if I was in, in the house or at school, if I was playing basketball and if I was playing basketball, my mom, my grandpa, and my sister were there. So, I mean, it's really just spending so much time together and becoming close. Like, we're family. Like I said, basketball is a big part of our family, so it just allowed us to get super close. Were there ever games out in the driveway at Thanksgiving that got heated? How did that go? So I've, I've been asked that question a lot. I actually know, like, just know, like, that never happened before. I mean, big heated conversations and talks have started, but never actual games. Um, okay. Well, wait, I just wanted to circle back to both your, your mom and all the businesses, you know, she's worked with and, and ran herself. And I believe has your sister while an undergrad at UT does, did she start her own business as well? No, she, no. she hasn't. Started. Okay. But just, just growing up, watching your mom do all of that, um, give you all the support you needed to be where you're at. What have you learned from her that, you know, uh, obviously she's she's there in Florida with you now, but I don't know if there's a, a move mom's making up to Bloomington, but assuming when you get to Bloomington, it's you're going to be even more on your own. What about the way mom has approached her life and her career uh, are you going to take with you as you set off more on your own? The biggest thing is, that I've gotten from her is just work ethic. Um, she's worked so hard and harder than I've ever seen anybody work before just to see me happy, see my sister happy. So 
I mean, I can't thank her enough. I thank God every day for her. Um, and another thing that I thank her for is how she raised me because I've seen a lot of kids my age, younger and older, I can tell I haven't been raised right. And I noticed it and I was like, my mom would not let me allow that. She wouldn't let me act like that. So it's just just seeing seeing it now, it's, I just, I'm really thankful for it. Could you do me a favor and ask your mom? My kids are 16, uh, 13, and 11. So there's still some time to shape them. Is she okay if I send them down to her for a few years? She just loves to, kids. So maybe, just get maybe. them straight. Just get them straight. Send them back. I, I'm Whatever she's doing, it's working. Whatever I'm doing is a mess. Um, all right. So, Liam, you're in high school. Um, let's talk about that state title. Let's talk about that title that you won. Walk us through the championship, the run to the championship, and what that felt like. Um, so it was my sophomore year. I just transferred to John Paul II High School. Um, it was it was my first time at a private school, so I didn't really know what to expect. I missed the first two three weeks of school because I was coming back from Team USA, the America's Championship gold medal. I won that, showed three weeks late to school, got a bunch of work to make up on. So, I mean, I, I started a little slow there. Um, but, I mean, the team was great. Coach Dan Lee, he was a coach. He's the coach of John Paul II. He was great. Helped me develop a lot as a player. I Helped me come out of my shell and learn about myself and how to play with others well. Um, I mean, it was a, a good season. We won the games we should have won. We lost a game or two we shouldn't have, but – it all worked out in the end. We won the state championship. What did that feel like when you knew you were walking off the court, state champs? I mean, I got tears in my eyes before the game just because, like, I was sitting by myself and just realized, like, man, this is it. Like, we could win this. So, I mean, go out there and play the game. Buzzer sounds were our scores beating their score, so. Just running my team, jump, laughing, having a good time. It was, it was amazing. What do you think from just coming off winning it all with the the Team USA? You know, like take us back to that and what you brought from that experience that you think helped you hit the ground running there at John Paul. And even when it came time to win another title, what had you already learned by doing it once? Um, I mean, it's – it's it's about being something bigger than yourself because Team USA is probably one of the best honors ever to represent your country in anything. And getting to play a game and representing your country was amazing, and I'll, it's something I'll never forget. But I I really didn't play a lot on that team, and that helped me appreciate the little things that I needed to do to actually get on the floor. When I got on the floor, I played well, but just that team was so good and. There's so much sound on that team. I had to do the little things right. And I think that translated over to John Paul II and the state championship team. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that sophomore year is also the year that your recruiting started to go through the roof. Uh, and I think probably around that time is when Indiana got involved. So what do you remember about how Indiana got involved and what was your first impression? Um, one day in practice... Pretty sure it was Coach Walsh. He comes, he walks in the gym with five or six other coaches watching practice, introduces himself, and 
There goes a life-lasting relationship. <laughs> what, Did you what? know anything about Indiana at that time? I'm, I've known Indiana as a super historic basketball state, Hoosiers. Yes. I didn't know how seriously people from Indiana took Indiana basketball, but now I do. <laughs> well, I'm sure you've heard the comparison, the way Texas feels about football at the high school level. That's what's going on with Indiana and basketball. When you took your visits to Indiana, did you did you get to witness some of that firsthand? Um, were you there? I can't remember if during your official visits or uh, if there was any games going on, but have you been in a basketball gym for a game in Indiana? I haven't, unfortunately. I mean, I've watched a bunch of games. I've been sent videos of the atmosphere and just the crowd cheering. But, I mean, even, even on my visits, it was football weekends. It was just still basketball, 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 basketball everywhere. Yeah. I, really, I, I can appreciate it because I'm a basketball geek. So you make a big move after John Paul II. You go down to Mount Verde, which is the best of the best. What went into that decision? And was that a hard decision for you to pick up and, and go down there? I mean, it was it was a, definitely a hard decision, just leaving home, leaving my friends, leaving my family. Um, but it's it's the best decision I've ever made so far. Besides committing to Indiana. Second, second best. <laughs> and I mean, just, I've, I feel like I've progressed so much as a player, more mentally than physically, just learning the game from Coach Boyle, learning how to play with other players, learning how to play against great players every day in practice. I mean, it, it just translates to the court, and I feel like I'm just such a better player because of it. Could you give us a quick day in the life of a player at Montverde and how it's different from a regular high school basketball player? Yeah. Um, I mean, school, I have school from like 7.30 to 11 and then 7.30 to 12. Then I eat 12 to 12.30 and then 12.30 to 1, I get taped and that one practice starts. So, I mean, we just practice really hard. We compete, we dive on the floor, blood, sweat, tears, all that. And we're trying to win like a national championship. So practice is like one to three, three thirty. And then we usually get shots up after from like three thirty to four. And then I come home, eat dinner, do some recovery, and then watch basketball, football, baseball, whatever's on. What about we've heard a lot about um, you know, obviously strength and conditioning is such a huge part of being an athlete now and getting your body right and in the best possible way pos that you can. Cliff Marshall is, I'm sure, somebody that you've gotten to know pretty well already in your time visiting IU, and and I'm sure there's been other communication when you've been off visits. Um, have has Cliff given you a plan that you're putting into place even while you're at Mount Verde? I don't have a plan yet. I think I'll probably have a plan with when the season ends, but I haven't got one yet. But I'm looking forward to getting a plan because he does amazing transformations with bodies. So let's talk about uh, that first visit to Indiana. Um, that was during your junior year. Uh, walk us through the visit. What what did you see? What impacted you? What made Indiana on that visit a serious player for you in the recruitment? Well, I, I really didn't take a lot of official visits. So Indiana was already a pretty major school for me. Right. I was considering 
I mean, it was one of my first official visits too, so I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I mean, and just getting to interact with the coaches on a different, like in a different way, because like when they come here, when they come to like my school, we're always in the gym. We're always talking about basketball, but when we were in Indiana, got to talk about things other than basketball. We got, I got to just pick Coach Woody's mind about like things off the court and just, just life, you know? How, how much fun was it? Because I know you're making these important life decisions, but it feels like going into that office and even in practice, they get after it, but there seems to be so much fun and good humor going on. Is that, is that in full display when you're there on a visit? Is there a lot of laughter? Oh, oh definitely. I mean, I mean, we're all just hanging out, you know, like I'm, I'm of course I'm learning about school when I take an official visit, but I'm also getting to know these people and can have fun with these people. Um, but when it's time for practice, everybody locks in for sure. Look, it's it's obvious how much you love Texas. It's your home. You're a Mavs fan. And it's no secret that Texas was recruiting you really hard. And then Texas went through some stuff with the coach and there was a change. How hard was it for you to get in your head that you're not going to go to the home school? Was that a big pull for you that you kind of needed to, uh, an obstacle you had to get over mentally? So Texas was very appealing, like you said, just because it's home. I've sure. watching Texas Longhorns play basketball, football. I mean, it's a big thing in Texas. Like UT is a big thing in Texas. So, but I, but one thing I've always said is my goal is to play in the NBA, and I'm going to go somewhere that I think is going to help me get there, no matter the location. And Indiana's home. Yes. All right. Yes. So let's fast forward to your second visit because Liam, I mean, we could talk to you all night long and we're not going to do that, but we've been following Indiana basketball for our entire lives and we're each 84 years old. <laughs> combined, and combined. I can tell you, <laughs> no, we're older than that. Uh, I can tell you there has never been an official visit with more focus or enthusiasm or excitement build up your official visit. Yeah obviously with a couple other guys and we'll, we'll talk maybe a little bit about that in a minute, but that visit, there was so much hype around that visit. There were so many rumors online that Indiana was pulling all the stops and they were going to do something special. So you got to give us something about that visit. What happened on that visit that really kind of moved Indiana to the top of the list? Well, to be honest, Indiana had been at the top of the list with one, maybe not with one other, one or two other schools since for a really long time. I don't know if the coaches or the fans knew that, but I knew that. My family knew that. Indiana was always up there, probably leading most of the time. Wow. I mean, I wouldn't say anything crazy or special happened, but I mean, it was an official visit, so I had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure the team had a lot of fun. We had a good time. I, I I can think of something that was different on that visit. There was a, a legendary Hoosier back in the building as part of the coaching staff. And uh, if I showed you what's hanging on the wall in this room, uh, it would be Calvert Chaney's autographed jersey, my all-time favorite player, many of us. 
of our generation all-time favorite player. Just talk to us what it was like to talk to Calbert and specifically about your game and you know as a six seven uh wing what what did you guys talk about and how much did his presence affect your decision so that was really that's a big thing for that was a big pickup for coach woodson and that staff just because it's another nba basketball mind and that was really appealing to me so just getting to talk to him was super big because he played in the nba he played my position in the nba and he played in Indiana in my position and then the NBA. So that's like, he has a formula. I'm trying to learn as much as I can from him, Coach Woodson and the rest of the staff. I mean, after that, it was, it was, it was pretty easy for me. Have you watched a lot of YouTube clips on Calbert as a Hoosier? I haven't, I haven't watched a ton, but I have been play. Guy was smooth. That guy was super smooth. What do you remember the first time? This is obviously back to your first visit. The first time you walked into Assembly Hall. I had never seen anything like it before. Looked like a like an auditorium. Just humongous. It was it was beautiful. Do you do you dream about what it's gonna be like when you're wearing the candy stripes and you get to walk in there and they announce your name? Hundred percent. I can't wait. Like, I really. All right, so let's get to <clears throat> the recruitment is hot and heavy. Kansas is another school that obviously you are considering. Fans are scared to death because it's Kansas, and we really want you, and we don't want to hate you for the rest of our lives, so we really <laughs> wanted you to pick Indiana. Um, give us the mo- – when was the real moment – where you decided it was going to be Indiana. Not the moment you told Indiana, but when did you know it was Indiana? It was definitely after I took my Kansas and my Indiana visit. Um, To be honest, I don't think it was a big, crazy moment. I was probably sitting at home on my phone and something just clicked in me like, I'm going to go to Indiana. I'm going to be over. I just felt comfortable. Did you tell your mom immediately? I really did. I was like, mom, I'm going to Indiana. <laughs> I swear, it's just like that. Like, <laughs> okay. If you're, if you're good about it, I'm good about it. And, and, then, and then tell us how you roll it out to, to the rest of your family. And then when you make the call to the coach, what's that like? So I obviously – Told, told my family. Everybody kept it on the low. Everybody's good about that. Yeah. Um, I actually, so Coach Woody and some of the staff, they've been flying down for practices, and they were going to come one week. It's like, Coach Woody, can you can you come down this Wednesday? He's like, I don't know. He had, he had some Big Ten uh, media day going on with Trey Gallon and X. But he, he came. He came like the day before. And I spilled the beans to him. I told him I was coming to Indiana. He had no clue. Coach Kenya had no clue. Coach Hunter. As soon as I told Coach Woody, I called Coach Walsh. I messed with him a little bit. And then I tell him I'm coming to Indiana. And Did, what, what was, was their, their reaction? reaction? Yeah. I mean, Coach Woodson, he slapped his knees. He stood up, gave me a big hug. We were in his private room. It was just me and my mom and him. I mean, it's something I'll never forget. That is awesome. And then... ESPN, during halftime of of the game that preceded your game, you make the announcement, 
uh, how cool was that? You got your teammates around you, your family's there. How great was that moment? I mean, that's that's another moment I'll never forget. Um, just the joy and stress relief that had been built up. It was crazy, but I'm just about to be going to be honest. So that, that was a big game that we played the an hour. Yeah, it was. But, Can you? I mean, um, sorry, finish your thought. I'm, I interrupted. It was just a, a great opportunity to do it on ESPN and have a bunch of Indiana fans watching and supporting me. So, Liam, you've given us some some hints at this and talked a little bit about it, but you could have gone anywhere. I mean, you really could have. And there's plenty of places that you could go that would probably get you to the NBA also. What was it about Indiana throughout the whole process that kept them at the top and then ultimately it just clicked? Have you have you been able to kind of put your finger on it? What excuse me, what I've been saying is just how long Indiana has been recruiting me and like just the unwavering recruiting and like faith in me as a player, but the relationships I've built, like life lasting relationships that I have, it's, I just, I feel really comfortable in Indiana and that was really the deciding factor. And is it fair to say that coach Walsh was the primary recruiter on you the longest? Definitely. That's, that's my guy for life now. Um, like really like, he did. He he recruited me so hard. He should he should get so much credit. Well, you're his guy for life, and it's a good thing you committed to Indiana because I think he would have been in Texas or Florida with a flamethrower if you didn't. <laughs> hey, maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about because you put it out there in the world. Moments after you committed to Indiana, you turned into recruiter in general. That's right. <laughs> so. How there's been a lot of stories about how close you and Derek are, that you guys are basically brothers, really close. How difficult is it, though, to put it on front street that you're going to be recruiting him, but also respect that he's your friend who has to go through his process? By the way, is he in the room right now? He's not in the room. Right now. <laughs> All right. That would have been something else. Um, yeah. What what has that been like for you? I mean, like you said, like. First, I'm his friend. Second, I'm his teammate recruiter. Um, so I just got to respect him. He's got to make the best decision. Him and his family have to make the best decision for him. I mean, like you said, that's my brother. I want to I play college basketball with him. I want to go to Indiana with him. So, I mean, I'm recruiting him hard. We watch all the games together. Um, I mean, it just comes down to him. Look, we would I, I wonder... never – sorry, just one quick follow-up. We would never put you on the spot. That's not the kind of guys we are. Uh, but where is he going to go to college? <laughs> I, I mean, if you had to guess. Honest to God, I don't know. Right. I, you know, I feel I feel good about Indiana just because I'm probably a little biased and I want it to happen. I might be manifesting it, but he he's 50-50. Well, in this new rule, uh, new role as recruiter, I do wonder, like, you obviously got to see how an effective recruitment works by Coach Walsh and the rest of the Indiana staff. And if I'm not mistaken, Jalen, Malik also did their share of recruiting of you. I'm sure you had uh, plenty of conversations uh, or messages with those guys. So what are, what are you learning about recruiting? Is it like, how do you, how do you push enough? How are you persistent enough, but like you don't pass the line where you become like annoying and a pest? So there were definitely some coaches, I'm not going to say any names, 
and I would hate when they call. <laughs> and I would just like I would not want them to call. I would not want to call them back or text with them. But, I mean, I I really never felt that way about Indiana. I mean, they called a lot. Coach Walsh called a lot, but I mean, I look forward to talk to them. Um, it's it's really about just building like a sincere relationship. I think because if you have a sincere relationship, it's it's like talking to your coach, it's like talking to your friend, your uncle, or like stuff like that. It's like it's family. When those other coaches called, to, what did you do? Did you ghost them? Would you ghost anybody, or did you like make up lies? Like, hey, I'm in the middle of something. I can't. Grandpa's got me working on guard skills. I can't talk right now. Maybe once or twice. I don't know. <laughs> um, man, it's uh, what is the difference in feeling between before making the decision to Indiana and after making it? Do you feel were you stressed out before? Did you feel pressure of having to make the decision and now feel loose and free? Uh, as you are obviously have started your senior season? Definitely. Like I said, like, as soon as I committed, it was just so much pressure. It's like I had a good game after I was playing loose. I've been playing loose since. Like, there's just so much stress built up, and I committed stress relief. And what's, what I'm really happy about is that I'm confident in my decision. Like, I'm happy about my decision. So I really think I've made the best choice. Oh, we know you have 100%. Uh, Liam, like, I, I kind of can't get over just seeing you there in the hoodie. Like, oh, oh, yeah, you're a Hoosier now. You you got another season here ahead of you where you got some work to take care of before you come on up. But you are one of us, and I can speak on behalf of every single Hoosier. We couldn't be more delighted, more excited for you to get up there and be a part of the family because – as Eric can attest and anybody else who's gone to that school, you know, even when you're not a basketball player, it's a really special place and it will always feel like home and you will always feel welcome there. And no matter where you go in the country or in the world, you will find other Hoosiers there. And if you're rocking that or another piece of gear, of course, you're also six, seven, six, eight. So they might just spot you without the swag, but it's a bond you now have with a million other people. That's really special. That is something I've noticed. Like, just people I didn't even know that went to Indiana that I knew prior. They reached out and said, "Like, congratulations! That's so big. We're so happy for you." It's just, like you said, it is a it's a it's a different type of bond in Indiana. Like, not even basketball, just all Hoosiers. I know you said steak is your favorite food, but how real is this obsession with Whataburger? It couldn't be more real. I like I love Whataburger. <laughs> You've got to talk to the Whataburger people. Maybe your mom, the businesswoman, can start a franchise in Bloomington. Mm. We don't have a Whataburger in Bloomington. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Do you remember what restaurants they took you to in Bloomington? Buffaloes. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's that was, key. That was a big hit for me and, me and my family. I, I love Buffaloes. Where did they do, because I know they do the big dinner. Where did they do the big dinner for you and Derek and Curtis when you came up? Forget Malibu uptown. I think it was Malibu. Probably. Yeah. I think we went to Malibu and uptown. Yeah. Nice. They're really rolling out the red carpet. Yeah. It was great. Dinners. One of them was a seafood spot. I think Malibu. 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 Yep. Very nice. But what a burger. If we, we, we get, there were fans talking about trying to ship you what a burger. <laughs> like that's no, how badly we wanted you. 
There's there's no Whataburger in, in Florida. The closest one's like seven hours away. So when I go back to Dallas, I get it like as much as I can. Just pray I'm back in Dallas. And... I've never had a Whataburger. Never it's had it. Life-changing. Well, Liam, Ward said it great. You are part of the family. We love that you gave us this time and really appreciate it. We've been following your career for over two years now. And everything we've read about you, everything we've watched about you, you play the game and treat the game with the respect and the reverence that everybody at Indiana has for the game of basketball. You don't cheat the game. You don't cheat yourself. Um, you care about your teammates. I've read stuff about, I mean, look, you play on a team with the most talented people in the country. I mean, Derek Queen, Cooper Flag, Curtis. I mean, like the list goes on Asa. These guys are all top end players. And it would be very easy to be on a team like that. And this is why Coach Boyle deserves so much credit. It'd be very easy for guys to want to get theirs. That never seems to be a peep of that. You never seem to be a guy hunting for your shot. You take the game as it comes. You like setting up your teammates. You're everything that we want in a basketball player. And we can't wait to welcome officially you and your family when you step foot on that campus as a student athlete. That is going to be a special day for you and your family and a special day for Indiana fans. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I really appreciate it. I, I really, I really can't wait to get on campus and just officially be a Hoosier. That was a guest. That was a guest. Liam McNeely is awesome. I'm a fan. I'm a big fan, not just of the basketball player, but of the human being. The thing that stuck out to me, besides just how cool he is and awesome he is and was a good sport in our Derek Queen ribbing and, and just, just being a good sport with our craziness, <clears throat> was when he talked about the reason that it ended up being Indiana. We talk about it all the time. Relationships matter. And he said how long they recruited me, the relentless pursuit that Brian Walsh led. Uh, that mattered in the end. That that mattered throughout. And these things are long, arduous, you know, a long, arduous process. And Indiana won this one. Um, and look, against... you've been harping on it that this is this is the first real long term recruitment of the Woody era. And yes. he's clearly excellent at the short term recruitments. But to have a high level, sustainable program, you need to win some of these long drawn out battles, especially going going against the big boys. And that's exactly what they did. Also, thank you, Chris Beard. <laughs> yeah. just want to send our personal thanks to chris beard also love that we have a player who loves hoosiers i mean come on finally yeah finally we have a recruit who loves the movie look it took him a moment but but we as soon as we started sort of indicating what his answer should be the light went off and it was very easy for him to make that answer shouldn't it be the light went on yep yeah did I say it wrong or is that, did I say the phrase right? And the phrase is messed up. I don't know. I mean, you said the light went off. I think, I think sometimes people say the lights, it just seems weird. I don't know what the phrase is because I think it sounded okay when you said it, but I thought that doesn't seem like it should be. I think it's one of those ones people bastardize like I just did, but it really should, a light bulb went on over his head, right? It's like a cartoon, the light or bulb. the light switch got flipped. Yeah, yeah, and the light goes on. So let's let's just you and I make a pact to say it that way. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, 
No I. But the sometimes why. You remember this time. You remember. <laughs> Liam will be the one doing it for the next two years. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Yes, sir. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.